Chapter Nine of Love Insurance. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Andrus. Love Insurance by Earl Dare Biggers. Chapter Nine. Wanted Board and Room. As Dick Minnett bent over to pick up his scattered property, a knock sounded on the half-open door, and Lord Harrowby drooped in. The nobleman was gloom personified. He threw himself despondently down on the bed. "'Minute, old chap,' he drawled. "'It's all over.' His eyes took in the wreckage. "'Eh?' What the deuce have you been doing, old boy? I haven't been doing anything, Minnett answered. But others have been busy. While we were at the, uh, er, theater, fond fingers have been searching for Chain Lightning's collar. The devil! You haven't lost it. No, not yet, I believe. Minnett took the envelope from his pocket and drew out the gleaming necklace. Ah, it's still safe. Harrowby leapt from the bed and slammed shut the door. Dear old boy, he cried, keep the accursed thing in your pocket. No one must see it. I say, who's been searching here? Do you think it could have been O'Malley? What is O'Malley's interest in your necklace? Some other time, please. Sorry to inconvenience you with the thing. Do hang on to it, won't you? Awful mix-up if you didn't. Bad mix-up as it is. As I said when I came in, it's all over. What's all over? Everything. The marriage, my chance for happiness. Minute, I'm a most unlucky chap. Mayrick has just postponed the wedding in a frightfully loud tone of voice. Postponed it? Sad news for Jeffson, this. Yet, as he spoke, Mr. Minnett felt a thrill of joy in his heart. He smiled the pleasantest smile he had so far shown San Marco. Exactly. He was fearfully rattled with Merrick. My word! How he did go on! Considers his daughter humiliated by the antics of that creature we saw on the stage tonight. Can't say I blame him, either. The wedding is indefinitely postponed, unless that impostor is removed from the scene immediately. Oh, unless, said Minnett, his heart sank, his smile vanished. Unless was the word, I fancy, said Harrowby, blinking wisely. Lord Harrowby, Minnett began, you intimated the other day that this man might really be your brother. No, Harrowby broke in, impossible. I got a good look at the chap tonight. He's no more a Harrowby than you are. You give me your word for that? Absolutely. Even after twenty years of America, no Harrowby 
would drag his father's name on to the vaudeville stage. No, he is an impostor, and as such he deserves no consideration whatever. And by the by, Minute, you will note that the postponement is through no fault of mine. Minute made a wry face. I have noted it, he said. In other words, I go on to the stage now, following the man who followed the trained seals. I thought my role was that of Cupid, but it begins to look more like Captain Kidd. Ah, well, I'll do my best. He stood up. I'm going out into the soft moonlight for a little while, Lord Harrowby. While I'm gone, you might call Spencer Mayrick up and ask him to do nothing definite in the way of postponement until he hears from me, er, you. Splendid of you, really, said Harrowby enthusiastically, as Minnett held open the door for him. I had the feeling I could fall back on you. And I had the feeling that you've fallen, smiled Minnett. So long. Better wait up for my report. Fifteen minutes later, seated in a small rowboat on the starry waters of the harbor, Minnett was loudly saluting the yacht Lilith. Finally, Mr. Martin Wall appeared at the rail. Well, what do you want? he demanded. Ah, word with you, Mr. Wall, Minnett answered. Will you be good enough to let down your accommodation ladder? For a moment, Wall hesitated. And a minute, watching him, knew why he hesitated. He suspected that the young man in the tiny boat, there on the calm, bright waters, had come to repay a call earlier in the evening, a call made while the host was out. At last he decided to let down the ladder. Glad to see you, he announced genially, as Minnett came on deck. Awfully nice of you to say that, Minnett laughed. Reassures me, because I've heard there are sharks in these waters. They sat down in wicker chairs on the forward deck. Minnett stared at the cluster of lights that was San Marco by night. Corking view you have of that tourist-haunted town, he commented. Ah, yes. Mr. Wall's queer eyes narrowed. Did you row out here to tell me that? he inquired. A deserved rebuke, Minnett returned. Time flies, and my errand is a pressing one. Am I right in assuming, Mr. Wall, that you are Lord Harrowby's friend? I am. Good. Then you will want to help him in the very serious difficulty in which he now finds himself. Mr. Wall, the man who calls himself the real Lord Harrowby, made his debut on a vaudeville stage tonight. So I've heard, said Wall with a short laugh. Lord Harrowby's fiancée and her father are greatly disturbed. They insist that this impostor must be removed from the scene at once, or there will be no wedding. Mr. Wall, it is up to you and me to remove him. Just what is your interest in the matter? Wall inquired. The same as yours. 
I am Harrowby's friend. Now, Mr. Wall, this is the situation as I see it. Wanted board and room in a quiet neighborhood for Mr. George Harrowby. Far from the street cars, the vaudeville stage, the wedding march, and other disturbing elements. And what is more, I think I've found the quiet neighborhood. I think it's right here aboard the Lilith. Oh, indeed. Yes, a simple affair to arrange, Mr. Wall. Trimmer and his live proposition are just about due for their final appearance of the night at the opera house right now. I will call at the stage door and lead Mr. Trimmer away after his little introductory speech. I will keep him away until you and a couple of your sailors. I suggest the two I met so informally in the North River have met the vaudeville lord at the stage door and gently but firmly persuaded him to come aboard this boat. Mr. Wall regarded Minnet with a cynical smile. A clever scheme, he said. What would you say was the penalty for kidnapping in this state? Oh, why look it up? asked Minnet carelessly. Surely Martin Wall is not afraid of a backwoods constable. What do you mean by that, my boy? said Wall with an ugly stare. What do you think I mean? Minnet smiled back. I'd be very glad to take the role I've assigned you. I can't help feeling that it will be more entertaining than the one I have. The difficulty in the way is trimmer. I believe I am better fitted to engage his attention. I know him better than you do, and he trusts me, begging your pardon, further. He did give me a nasty dig, said Wall, flaming at the recollection. The noisy mountebank. Well, my boy, your young enthusiasm has won me. I'll do what I can. And you can do a lot. Watch me until you see me lead Trimmer away. Then get his pet. I'll steer Trimmer somewhere near the beach and keep an eye on the Lilith. When you get George safely aboard, wave a red light in the bow. Then Trimmer and I shall part company for the night. I'm on, said Wall, rising. Anything to help Harrowby. And this won't be the first time I've waited at the stage door. Right-o, said Minnet. But don't stop to buy a champagne supper for a trained seal, will you? I don't want to have to listen to Mr. Trimmer all night. They rowed ashore in company with two husky members of the yacht's crew, and ten minutes later Minnet was walking with the pompous Mr. Trimmer through the quiet plaza. He had told the gentleman that he came from Alan Harrowby to talk terms, and Trimmer was puffed with pride accordingly. So Mr. Harrowby has come to his senses at last, he said. Well, I thought this vaudeville business would bring him round, although I must say I'm a bit disappointed. Down in my heart, my publicity campaign has hardly started. I had so many lovely little plans for the future. 
say it makes me sad to win so soon. Sorry, laughed Minnet. Lord Harrowby, however, deems it best to call a halt. He suggests... Pardon me, interrupted Mr. Trimmer, grandiloquently. As the victor in the contest, I shall do any suggesting that is done. And what I suggest is this. Tomorrow morning, I shall call upon Alan Harrowby at his hotel. I shall bring George with me, also some newspaper friends of mine. In front of the crowd, Alan Harrowby must acknowledge his brother as the future heir to the earldom of Raybrook. Why the newspaper men? Minnet inquired. Publicity, said Trimmer. It's the breath of life to me, my business, my first love, my last. Frankly, I want all the advertisement out of this thing I can get. At what hour shall we call? You would not consider a delay of a few days? Minnet asked. Save your breath, advised Trimmer promptly. Ah, I feared it, laughed Minnet. Well, then, shall we say eleven o'clock? You are to call with George Harrowby. Eleven it is, said Trimmer. They had reached a little park by the harbor's edge. Trimmer looked at his watch. And that being all settled, I'll run back to the theater. I myself have advised Harrowby to surrender, Minnet began. Wise boy. Good night, said Trimmer, moving away. Not that I have been particularly impressed by your standing as a publicity man, continued Minnet. Mr. Trimmer stopped in his tracks. As a matter of fact, went on Minnet, I never heard of you or any of the things you claim to have advertised until I came to San Marco. Mr. Trimmer came slowly back up the gravel walk. In just what inland hamlet, untouched by telegraph, telephone, newspaper, and railroad, he asked, have you been living? Minnet dropped to a handy bench and smiled up into Mr. Trimmer's thin face. New York City, he replied. Mr. Trimmer glanced back at the lights of San Marco, hesitatingly. Then, it was really a cruel temptation, he sat down beside Minnet on the bench. Do you mean to tell me, he inquired, that you lived in New York two years ago and didn't hear of Cottrell's ink eraser? Such was my unhappy fate, smiled Minnet. Then you were in Ludlow Street Jail, that's all I've got to say, Trimmer replied. Why, man, what I did for that eraser is famous. I rigged up a big electric sign in Times Square, and all night long I had an electric Cottrell's erasing indiscreet sentences, the kind of things people write when they get foolish with their fountain pens. For instance... I hereby deed to toddy footlights all my real and personal property, and the like. It took the town by storm. Theatrical managers complained that people preferred to stand and look at my sign rather than visit the shows. 
can you look me in the eye and say that you never saw that sign well bennett answered i begin to remember a little bit about it now of course you do mr trimmer gave him a congratulatory slap on the knee and if you think hard probably you can recall my neat little stunt of the prima donna and the cough drops i want to tell you about that he spoke with fervor the story of his brave deeds rose high to shatter the stars apart a half hour passed while his picturesque reminiscences flowed on mr minnett sat enraptured his eyes on the harbor where the lilith like a painted ship graced a painted ocean my boy trimmer was saying i have made the public stop look and listen when i get my last publicity in the shape of an in memoriam let them run that tag on my headstone and the story of me that i guess will be told longest after i am gone is the one about the grape juice that i he paused his audience was not listening he felt it intuitively mr minnett sat with his eyes on the lilith in the bow of that handsome boat a red light had been waved three times mr trimmer minnett said your tales are more interesting than the classics he stood some other time i hope to hear a continuation of them just at present lord harrowby or mister if you prefer is waiting to hear what arrangement i have made with you you must pardon me i can talk as we walk along said trimmer and proved it in the middle of the deserted plaza they separated at the dark stage door of the opera house trimmer sought his proposition who do you mean asked the lone stagehand there george lord harrowby insisted mr trimmer oh that bum actor seen him going away a while back with two men that called for him bum actor cried trimmer indignantly he stopped two men who were they the stagehand asked profanely how he could know that and mr trimmer hurriedly departed for the side street boarding-house where he and his fallen nobleman shared a suite about the same time dick minnett blithely entered lord harrowby's apartments in the hotel de la paix well he announced you can cheer up little george is painlessly removed he sleeps to-night aboard the good ship lilith thanks to the efforts of martin wall assisted by yours truly he stopped and stared in awe at his lordship what's the matter with you he inquired harrowby waved a hopeless hand minute he said it was good of you but while you have been assisting me so kindly in that quarter another and a greater blow has fallen good lord what cried minute it is no fault of mine harrowby began on which i would have gambled my immortal soul minnett said i thought it was all over and done with five years ago i was young sentimental calcium light and grease paint and that sort of thing hit me hard 
I saw her from the stalls, fell desperately in love, stayed so for six months, wrote letters, burning letters, and now, yes, and now, now she's here. Gabrielle Rose is here. She's here with the letters. Oh, for a Cottrell's ink eraser, Minnett groaned. My man saw her downstairs, went on Harrowby, mopping his damp forehead. Fifty thousand she wants for the letters, or she gives them to a newspaper and begins to sue at once, tomorrow. I suppose, said Minnett, she is the usual gaiety girl. Not the usual, old chap, quite a remarkable woman. She'll do what she promises, trust her. And I haven't a farthing. Minute, it's all up now. There's no way out of this. Minute sat thinking. The telephone rang. I won't talk to her, cried Harrowby in a panic. I won't have anything to do with her, Minute, old chap, as a favor to me. The old family solicitor smiled Minute. That's me. He took down the receiver, but no voice that had charmed thousands of the gaiety answered his. Instead, there came over the wire, heated, raging, the tones of Mr. Henry Trimmer. Hello? I want Alan Harrowby. Ah, that's minute talking, isn't it? Yes. Good. I want a word with you. Do you know what I think of your methods? Well, you won't now. Telephone rules in the way. Think you're going to get ahead of Trimmer, do you? Think you put one over, eh? Well, let me tell you, you're wrong. You're in for it now. You played into my hands. Steal Lord Harrowby, will you? Do you know what that means? Publicity. Do you know what I'll do tomorrow? I'll start a cyclone in this town that... Good night said Minnett, and hung up. Who was it? Harrowby wanted to know. Our friend Trimmer on the warpath, Minnett replied. It seems he's missed his vaudeville partner. He sat down. See here, Harrowby, he said. It was the first time he had dropped the prefix. It occurs to me that an unholy lot of things are happening to spoil this wedding. So I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. Harrowby. Minnett looked straight into the weak but noble eyes. Are you on the level? Really, I'm not very expert in your astounding language. Are you straight? Honest? Do you want to be married yourself? Why, Minnett, my dear chap, I've told you a thousand times, I want nothing more. I never shall want anything more. All right, said Minnett, rising. Then go to bed and sleep the sleep of the innocent. But where are you going? What are you going to do? I'm going to try and do the same. And as he went out, Minnett slammed the door on a pier. Sticking above the knob of the door of 389, he found a telegram. Turning on his lights, 
he sank wearily down on the bed and tore it open it rained in torrents said the telegram at the dowager duchess's garden party you know what that means it was signed john thacker isn't that a devil of a nightcap muttered minute gloomily End of chapter nine